You've created your business and now it's time to protect it. Whether it's your podcast, speaking engagements that you do virtually or live on in-person stages or the community that you've built, you want to make sure that what you've created is taken care of and well protected. This is where AWB contract templates come in. They're customizable, quick and easy to complete and cost a fraction of working with a lawyer one-on-one. They have tons of options available so you can choose the ideal one for your business needs. It's an instant download. You get a Word doc template, you fill in the blanks and in about 20 minutes, you're all done. Visit pauseontheplay.com forward slash contracts today to pick out your new business contracts. And when you check out, be sure to use the code play for 20% off your contract purchase. That's P-L-A-Y in all caps for 20% off. Protect your business with AWB contract templates. Diversity, equity, and inclusion is a concept that people don't really always have shared understanding of what it means, how it plays out, and how it is that they can go on their own journey toward being more diverse, equitable, and inclusive with their thoughts, feelings, actions, and states of being. So being able to actually go into some of those misconceptions that can come up will serve you going forward and those that you're in community with. Let's do this. Hello, hello, and welcome back to Pause on the Play. As always, it's amazing to see you here where you are reminded to examine your beliefs, question your predisposed notions, and consider realities you may be unfamiliar with in order to understand that they too are real. I am your host and conversation MC for the day, Erica Corday, here with my co-host India Jackson to get the dialogue going. Hello. Hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, um... I think that we talk often about those things that maybe people think that aren't quite accurate, like kind of trying to debunk misconceptions. I think we t- we've talked about it a long time ago, I know, with marketing and some things like that. We we talk about it as just a part of our conversations when it comes to diversity, equity, and inclusion, when it comes to community, when it comes to visibility and branding. However... I think that we're hitting this point again where it's necessary to come back home and recenter and to dig a little bit into the misconceptions that commonly come up about diversity, equity, and inclusion work. What do you think? I'm here for it. So before we even start that, I want to ask you, do you find that misconceptions about DEI are, are, are like do, do they do they come up often and people just don't think about it or do you think it's one of those things that people just don't they just kind of assume and just go with it <laughs> do you think they don't think about it or it's like they it's just wrong you know that's a good question I'm not sure maybe it's both uh, I think one of the tricky things with misconceptions is often you have a dialogue happening or a standard happening or a culture that says one thing when reality is another. And oftentimes it's just, it's a misconception because it hasn't even crossed your mind to, to think about it any deeper. Right. I think it can be both. Okay. Cause that's, that was something that came up for me because I think sometimes 
it's just like, this is just, it's just wrong. And sometimes it's like, I don't even know if it was ever considered yeah, beyond <laughs> this not being the thing. And so I, I think it's important to just reference the fact that anything that we go into today, um, these are not to make you feel any shame or blame or guilt. If this is something that maybe you've considered or maybe was a way that you operated or are currently, but this is to give you some things to consider uh, so that you can reconsider your normal, but you can also just kind of recalibrate where you're going from here if you can do it in a way that's more beneficial to you and your desired outcome. So let's just, let's, let's hop in. Let's hop in. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly with that. And I'll also say if it's, if you're finding that there's things that you haven't considered, you know, that old saying, like, you don't know what you don't know, mm-hmm. you know, there's things that I don't know just because I don't know them or I don't right. know enough about the subject matter. And so, you know, give yourself some grace there too. DEI for some, I mean, if this is your first episode, you might not even know what that acronym stands for and that's okay. Diversity, equity, inclusion. We're going to break it down today. Yes. <laughs> We got you. But also, you know, um, it's not what you do, right? If you're here listening or reading, you may not be a DEI consultant or have worked with one in the past. So there's nuances and extra information that we have when we are close to an industry or when we are a part of an industry or when we work with service providers in an industry that if we've never done that, you just don't know. Absolutely. Absolutely. So... I think one of the things that I've encountered this my entire career, but I, interestingly enough, I, I noticed this with what I specifically do, other people in my industry, and even people that are DEI adjacent, like you, in which case they operate through the lens of DEI. So it's the way that they do all things. And there's this kind of misconception that there is only one way to do this work. (laughs) Y'all, there is not one way to do just about anything. That is absolutely not true when it comes to DEI. And I think that it's not one way to do it, mainly because one, like there's no one size fits all. So that in itself completely debunks that because the way that you need to do it is not the way someone else needs to do it because you're not starting at the same place. You don't have the same types of goals in mind. You don't learn and interact in the same ways. Everyone doesn't um, come from the same families of origins with the same experiences. And so I find that this comes up not only as like a misconception, but sometimes I feel like this can almost be like a barrier to entry. I can't do it because I can't do it this way. I agree. I think the beauty of doing diversity or inclusion work, <laughs> I feel like I need to put air quotes around that, um, <laughs> is that you know you have people that offer services and opportunities for you to dig deeper into DEI in many different ways. You have everything from this podcast to books to people who do group programs. You have communities like ours. You have one-on-one coaching. You have coaching for you and your team. You have so many different things. And I think that when we can get fixated on an ideal 
way that this is done, or we've seen it done by a service provider or by a peer who's doing the DEI work for their brand in one way, and then we convince ourselves that that is the way, then it can shut you down from the possibilities and opportunities of other ways that might be a better fit for you. And it's important to remember that if perfectionism is showing up for you and that I can only do it this way and this is what validates it, that in itself is white supremacy talking. Facts. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you, what's another one that you find that you, you know, people kind of bring up or that you kind of run into them kind of living in this energy? I feel like I witnessed a lot of this, you know, rewinding it back to 2020 uh specifically um speaking from the perspective of being here in the United States and specifically speaking from the perspective of what all transpired in June and our social uprising our anti-racism social uprising specifically cuz DEI covers a lot of things mm-hmm. <laughs> it does uh many people ran to books They bought all the books. Thank you for those of you that were supporting authors who had lived experience in what they were talking about. Thank you for saying it. (laughs) If that's what you did. If you did Mm. it, thank you. Um, And, (laughs) you know, and there's a lot that you can take in and witnessing the stories and the information and the perspectives and things like that in written books. So I personally have enjoyed reading books like Hood Feminism um, Mm -hmm. and being able to witness the perspective that, oh Lord, I think it's Mickey Kendall. Correct me if I'm wrong, Eric. (laughs) No, I believe that was Mickey Kendall because in my head, I I always think about that in Eloquent Rage at the same time because you were reading Hood Feminism and I was reading Eloquent Rage, which I believe is Brittany Cooper. But that, I'm going to tell you what, Hood Feminism, that one had me a little hot as a hornet's nest right here. (laughs) I thought I was picking up like an easy read. I was like, I need something that's not going to like be as hard on my nervous system while everything in the world is happening. Mm. <laughs> and I'm not trying to scare you off from reading. It was a great book. Oh my gosh, And yes. she went in and what she was discussing and there were so many parts of it that I totally resonated with that brought words to my experiences that I did not know how to bring words to, to describe to someone else. Um, words to experiences that I witnessed in friends and in family. And so there's an incredible power in being able to invest in books. Um, And if you don't have the resources to invest in those books, you know, your local library or whatever that may be, to take in this information. And I'll say that um, for those of us that you know, like to multitask, maybe that is consuming through a podcast like this or the many other incredible podcasts out there that are talking about creating change. Um, And there's so many takeaways and so much information and changing a perspective that comes from that. And consuming content does not create the changes that you want to witness happen in the world. I'm sorry. It doesn't. It doesn't. And the interesting thing is, 
when you bring up hood feminism, it actually is a really good example. And I'll give a really simplified um, example of how that did show up. I remember reading that book. And one of the things that really stood out to me was when we um, she was exploring years ago when they took sodas out of schools and they talked about how high it was in sugar and all these things. And I remember back then and I was like, oh, this is great. And then she was like, but the soda is actually something that is accessible for people, especially if you use the example of people that live in food deserts. It is cheap, which means that it's going to be budget friendly for those that need the friendliness on their you know, budget. And we're out here vilifying soda, but we're not vilifying the 8,000 grams of sugar in a damn expensive ass Starbucks Frappuccino. I was like, oh. And when it got laid out that way, it immediately not only showed the preconceived notions, it showed the racism that was inherent in it. And it showed the classism. That's just some of it. And I, it completely shifted the way that I thought about it. And so I look at beverages differently. I look at what they put in schools and what they don't differently. And I've had countless conversations about this because when it came up, everyone that is give or take around my age kind of remembered when that was a thing. And having that reframe completely shifted the way we processed what we were fed from an informational standpoint. That was a huge piece of understanding that it wasn't just about the consuming, it was about what happens with it and not letting it just be about, I read it, I read it, I read it. But it also brought up the fact that I took it and I was in conversation about it which to me is that piece of like, you can't do this by yourself. This is not work that you can do alone. Mm, I mean, yeah, I think that that's a big other misconception about this work is that you can always do it alone. And it's totally not true. You're witnessing even in this conversation, I didn't expect us to, for me to mention Hood Feminism, but that was a book we both read. We discussed quite a bit of it together um, and just how it impacted us. But also... Um, you and I hadn't talked about the soda thing. So I'm so glad that you mentioned it. Because as I got to that point in the book, my mind was just blown. I was one of those kids who was having soda removed from their school. Mm-hmm. So that gives you a, like uh, an age, kind of an era feel being 35 right now as we're recording this. And so for me in school and being somebody who, you know, gravitates towards things that are deemed healthy <laughs> and also having a certain amount of privilege. I didn't live in, in food deserts. Um, and I was also very young that in my mind at that age, I'm like, oh, they're doing something really good. You know, they're, they're going to, this is helping um, us all to be healthier. So to lay it out in that way and then to be able to discuss that mm-hmm. and to be able to share some of those experiences um, with others and say, oh man, like even as somebody who identifies from a marginalized group who does identify as wanting to support, you know, the feminist movement and things like that, the intersectional feminist movement. That's another Thank conversation. You. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Kimberly Crenshaw. Yes. Um, and I'm like, oh man, even then there are things that you miss. <laughs> We, we all do. And that's what's so important about giving yourself space to be, you know, in community, whether that's one-to-one, one-to-many, you know, one-to-a-small group, whatever. Because when you're having that dialogue so much more, 
comes up and you have that opportunity to really kind of pick up those pieces that you otherwise may never have picked up. And that is such an important piece of it. And it's the remembering that all of this goes back to figuring out how we can be in community together without the separation, without the division, without the rhetoric, without the racism, without the preconceived notions that are steeped in white supremacy and trauma. So, so true. Stay open, dig a little deeper, question what's possible for you. These are the types of questions that can take you from being in a box to breaking it on your own terms. Bi-weekly, India Jackson, co-founder of Pause on the Play, has conversations exploring branding and visibility. Own your values and amplify your influence by giving the Flaunt Your Fire podcast a follow today. Being in community is one of the cornerstones that can support your diversity, equity, and inclusion efforts. This is what can take you from simply reading this book and consuming one after another after another to being able to have conversations, not only about what you learned, but to hold space for what other people have taken away from it to really form powerful and intentional actions that you can move forward with in order to be a part of the change that you want to see. This is how we all create change. And this is how we can do it in community with one another. Pause on the Play facilitates a space for powerful conversation, for being able to reconsider your normal, to be able to learn from one another, to take in content, and to know that you're not alone. If you're ready to join today, come on over to pauseontheplay.com forward slash community. When you allow that community or the people that you're doing this work with to also be diverse, right, and not have the exact same lived experiences that you did, whether that be through age or whatever that is, right, then it doesn't just provide the perspectives that maybe you would not have otherwise had, but it also provides a certain level of accountability, a certain level of clarity of what allyship might look like that you might not have gotten off of intellectualizing allyship because you're able to take in the experiences from the others to see like actively what do people from their communities need? What experiences have they had that might inform how you want to give back or the exact changes that you want to make that, again, consuming the information by itself is not going to actually eradicate the food desert. (laughs) You're aware Mm -hmm. now, but you didn't change anything about it. And so you're getting those tangible step-by-step potential opportunities to see what can you do. Well, and that's where things like allyship comes in. That's where opportunities to be an imperfect ally and to reconsider your normal and to actually question, you know, how are we creating equity on the road toward equality? And those things are things that are going to happen in their own time. They're a part of the process that you can't script, you can't force it, you can't, you know, assign it a a, a place in one, two, three, four, five, like that's not how this goes. And so one of the other things that 
comes up that I find comes up and I absolutely want to know what you think on this because I know you've witnessed this with me um, and clients as well, is that you cannot operationalize the process of working through your diversity, equity and inclusion efforts on the road to being anti-racist. Yeah, um, I I couldn't have said that better. You can't. And I find that... um, There's a certain level of culture, I feel like, especially in the online-based business world, that says that you need uh, a plan for things um, or a 10-step process, you know, or a strategy, a strategic outline of what this will be. And I understand the desire for that. And as somebody who works (laughs) completely in being strategic, that is where my brain goes to. Right. So if you're somebody who has thought about diversity, equity, inclusion in that way, I'm here with you and I get it because my brain can go that direction as well. And I can very much go to strategy and then operationalizing through implementation. The challenge with that is, is that diversity, equity, inclusion isn't marketing, right? It's not hiring. If you're really doing the DEI work, it's everything that you do and it becomes a part of who you are and how you approach the world. And if that is the case, then you cannot plan or strategize or step-by-step unlearning what you were on the path to be where you are now and learning new things to place into that, right? We're talking about becoming. Becoming is not Oh, step one, step two, step three process. Understanding others' experiences is not a step-by-step process. And also, dare I say, the things that happen in the middle of finding that your conversations with family and friends change, finding that who you attract into your brand changes, who you want to work with changes. Those things there are some pieces that you can operationalize. So I want to acknowledge that. And we do support clients with strategies and plans and step-by-steps, but you can't operationalize everything. No. And the operationalizing can come in when you have, you have decided, okay, this is, you know, what we understand and we now want to implement this into our kind of standard operating procedures, our SOPs for, you know, how we respond to things or, um, you know, how do we, make sure that accessibility is planned into all of our live events or how do we operationalize making sure that we are amplifying the voices that are not regularly centered um, as a priority. That's where you can operationalize pieces, but you cannot operationalize the process to get there as you understand what are the values that are dictating the actions that you want to take. The how like you, you got to figure out your stuff on the front end. The the what? Sure, great. Operationalize what actually is going to happen once you go to be in action. But you know this whole like, you know, what am I feeling? What am I uncovering? What am I learning? What am I unlearning? What am I reconsidering? Um, you know, what do I want to do differently? You can't operationalize that. You can't simplify it that much because if it was that simple white supremacy would have been eradicated decades ago, generations ago. I feel like I need to start snapping my fingers. 
I'm just saying. I'm just saying. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah, you, you can't step into something that requires a bit of becoming and unbecoming. Right from a place of operationalizing that. That cannot be operationalized. And you love to say the phrase both and. And I Mm -hmm. really think this is a both and. It's a yes, there are some tangible things that need to happen. And there's also some very deep, very personal internal work that happens as well. And where I have seen the most beautiful and just inspiring and lasting DEI changes happen is when both of those things are happening together. Completely agree. Completely agree. So I want to point out something that I don't think is always addressed. Diversity, equity, and inclusion. Again, you often heard it just called DEI is um, regularly kind of framed as something that really is addressing and um, steeped in U.S. culture. And diversity, equity, and inclusion collectively or separately are concepts that matter globally. However, it is important to reference that there are a lot of nuances on how it got to where it is, where it currently is, the work that needs to be done to dismantle it, and what the desired outcomes are. This is not a one size fits all again. And so because of that, I think it's really important to address the fact that regardless of where you're located, if you're taking in content from different people that are from different locations, it's really important to remember that there is not just one answer to your questions or your queries. As you're learning and unlearning, there is going to be a lot of nuance that's going to show up that you want to take into consideration when you're kind of, you know, forming opinions that are going to lead you toward actions because where you're located, where the people are located that maybe, you know, your servicing is if this is within your business or if you have family and friends that are located in different places, it's really important to remember that the global effects of diversity, equity, and inclusion and the lack thereof is not simplified down to one particular model. Therefore, there's no one particular model to eradicate it and there's no one set of answers. So it's really important to remember on a global scale that there is a lot of context to keep in mind and to be open to being aware of. And this is something that I'm extremely grateful for because our community has members from multiple continents. And having that does put us in a place to not only have um, varied opinions, but it also has positioned us in a place that we've considered, okay, how can we be more inclusive as much as, as, as we can. And, and, you know, what can some of these options be? And I think it's really important for people to remember that they have to do this on a very personal scale as well. That's where it starts. Absolutely. I mean, when I think about Canada, even, I mean, the majority of Canadians live along the border of the U.S., right? I don't know if a lot of people know that, but that's facts. The majority of the population is there. So at any given point, and Northern USA, 
you can literally like almost reach out (laughs) to your Canadian neighbors. And yet the focus and the nuances of DEI work in Canada is still very different than the U.S. It is. It is. And I don't know that that's always considered. And I think that, honestly, there's the there's the larger piece of, um, you know, what are the kind of roots of it? And um, I'll have it linked in the article for our show notes. But I had an episode a while back with um, with with a friend of mine, Kay, that does diversity, equity, inclusion work, and she's in Spain. And we talked about how it's very different there for the people that she's working with and what really roots it in her local area versus what it is here. Are there similarities? Sure, but there's differences. And so, you know, there's the larger scale of like, what's the the history behind it? But sometimes it could be just as simple as time zones and you know, being aware of language choices and that sometimes we have little turns of phrase that we'll use and someone else might be like, I have no idea what that means. <laughs> so I think the large and the small is important. Agreed. And I think that we can't near the end of this episode, right? <laughs> what? Well, I can keep going, but I shouldn't. But <laughs> <laughs> as we as we wind down to the end of this episode, I think it's also impossible not to mention the misconception that there is an end point to DEI work. Ooh, child. Yes. I know that this isn't, this is not always easy work. I know that there's a lot of trauma and a lot of horrific transgressions and there's a lot of ugliness attached to it and where it came from and how we got here and what still happens today. And there's a lot of beauty in the possibility of what can happen. There's a lot of possibility in the opportunities that are possible when we allow ourselves to move away from how we were conditioned and what we were told has to happen and really question, well, why, what else, you know, why not? And that type of, you know, line of questioning doesn't have a neat bow on it. There is no true, like, okay, here's a period. Here's a, you know, finished, finito, close the book. That doesn't really happen. This is a constant journey. Because again, when we talk about the global piece, there's so many layers of nuance to uncover. When you're in conversation with others and you're reconsidering what's normal because theirs does not mirror yours, there's so much more that's there. It's it's like that thing of like, but wait, there's more. It's infomercial-esque minus the consumerism piece but it's very much the fact that there's there's so much more there and so you have to allow yourself to be malleable and open and willing to continue on this path knowing that it's about longevity it's about endurance it is not about finishing it is not about cramming it in to get it done because there's no such thing as done We acknowledge that this podcast is recorded on the stolen land of the Susquehannock, Piscataway, Nantigo people native to this area known as Maryland. Y'all, there is something about being able to debunk myths 
that <laughs> I think does something for me. Maybe I didn't realize it. Being able to call out where we are fed lies to keep us from moving forward on the path to explore and to examine what truth can look like. Y'all, that's real. Being able to subscribe to something different and knowing that you do not have to go with the way that you were programmed and what you were given, you can start again. You can begin at any point. There's always an opportunity. You just have to be willing to be open, to receive it, to explore it, to examine it. That is where the power happens. That's where you take control of your power. Each and every time, that you are willing to show up here, take in this content and figure out what your action steps are for integration, I thank you. This is how together we can normalize the challenging things and make them a part of our everyday exchanges. This is how we remove stigma and create real change and connections by crossing lines and recreating boundaries. Together, let's continue getting more people to drop the veil while challenging their thoughts, feelings, actions, and states of being. So until the next time, keep the dialogue going. Bye. Ready to get clear on what matters? Let's do this. From implicit to explicit is a framework that helps you to get clear on what matters and how it informs the way you live and lead in your workplace. Whether it's focusing on the team building and connection that can happen when you talk about what matters to you as a person or how it informs the outcomes that you seek in your business, it can all completely change the game. Having clarity on what your values are and how this shapes the way your work creates the foundation for every action that you take and then sharing this information across your team explicitly. This is what creates confidence and integrity in what it is that you are creating and sharing with the world. Visit pauseontheplay.com forward slash explicit to learn more about this collaborative and interactive workshop and sign up today. Ready to lead through your values?